Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. Hello, Single to Sealed, and welcome back for another episode. We are thrilled to have you here with us today, and we have a special guest. Who is our special guest today, Jerry? Her name is Carly. Frick a frick Welcome to the podcast, Carly. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. We are going to share a little bit about Carly and then pass the mic over to her. So Carly Palmer Webb is a sex educator, a gender and sexuality researcher, and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She earned her master's degree in marriage, family, and human development from Brigham Young University. You have never met someone more enthusiastic about teaching chastity lessons at church. Helping Christian women understand and embrace their sexuality is one of Carly's greatest passions. Carly was born and raised in Weiser, Idaho, and now lives in Vermont with her husband, Dallin, and their cat, Maple. She's abnormally tall and is a lover of mint-flavored chocolate, rock climbing, and cheese. So my question is, how did you decide to name your cat Maple? (laughs) Well, we moved to Vermont shortly before we got her, and if you don't know anything about Vermont... Maple syrup is kind of a big deal here, so it just felt like it fit. <laughs> well, it's a cute name, and we are cat lovers over here. Recently re-baptized cat lovers, I guess you could say, because <laughs> I had cats growing up, and Jerry had cats growing up, but we were a cat-free household until, what, like two months ago, babe? Mm-hmm. And I decided I wanted a sphinx, and so I... I <gasps> put down a deposit on a sphinx and then we were at petco and i was like babe look at this poor little cat that needs to be adopted she was six months old and she's the same color as our sphinx she's a calico i was Uh like they'll be twins we have to get her and so now we have a haired cat and our hairless cat is coming in like four weeks and so now we're a cat household again you're gonna have two (laughs) yep and i keep on convincing him for a third but he won't budge Yeah, my husband is trying the same thing. I am new to the cat world as well. (laughs) I've been more of a dog person, but my husband loves cats, and he keeps trying to convince me that we need to get another one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How quickly were you able to come up with the name Maple? Like, was it a point of contention in your relationship? (laughs) Um, Well, no, because, (laughs) because... The cat was actually my husband's birthday present, so he got to choose, oh. but I did tell him that I would veto some Probably. names if I hated them, so <laughs> he chose it, but her name before we adopted her was Gail, and that's just a weird name for a cat. I yeah. thought, sorry I if anybody an has a cat named Gail, <laughs> but we wanted <laughs> to choose the name pretty quickly because it felt so weird to call a cat Gail. The adoption <laughs> names are always kind of strange. They expect you to change them. What was hers? Oh, it was um. It was Margie. Margie. My cat's name was. Yeah. Margie. What's up with the old lady name? And I'm like, I don't, don't want to name my cat Margie. She's a little kitten. She doesn't deserve to be a Margie. No offense right. to Margies out there. <laughs> Man, you guys are dissing Margies and Gales. I'm the only like one on this podcast right now because I haven't dissed anyone's names yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's more for me. Like my cat didn't look like a Margie. It's like they just assigned a name. You know. Yeah. I, I don't like that. So what? So is it your became cat's a, name? a point of contention for us. We're really bad at naming at naming things because brianna will list off a hundred names she likes and i'll just be like no no (laughs) (laughs) like to all of them yeah like i just i don't want it has to be the right name so she is now fanta fanta like the soda that's cute i like that and there's a reason for that it's because we've already decided that our sphinx's name (laughs) is gonna be jinx so we'll have so like you know when you're like jinx you owe me a soda yes they are (laughs) Since they're the same color, like they're both like diluted calicos, like and they they look like twins, but one's hairless yes. and one's not. We're like they need to have like names that go together, and so we're like Jinx and Fanta. So it's like Jinx and Fanta, Sphinx. So, yeah, and so yeah. their Instagram, of course, is about to be lit because, <laughs> of course, <laughs> they're pretty a pretty cool duo. It's going to be called Ready Cats Go. 
Yep. It's already up and running. People can go follow it now. We're just oh, going to awesome. do some advertisement for ourselves here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the following that account. <laughs> okay, well, back on track. <laughs> There's more important topics than our cats right now, I guess. Yeah, everyone's like, I guess. everyone's like skipping all this dialogue, waiting to get to the part where she talks. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Yeah. So, besides your cat and your cool job and your fun life that you have in Vermont, is there any other tidbits that you would like our listeners to know about you before we dive into your topic today? Oh goodness, no pressure. Well, I will say this really isn't important at all, but my hometown, it's actually called Weezer, but everyone calls it Wiser. So no worries about that, Brianna, but it is the fiddling capital of the world. I feel like that's probably important for people to know. (laughs) The fiddling capital. Totally unrelated. I think it's (laughs) self-proclaimed, but it's just this tiny little town in Idaho and every summer they have a fiddle festival. And people really do come from all over the world and our town population doubles and it's great fun. So that's pretty cool. I'll tell you how bad my mind is that when you tell me something like there's a fiddling festival, I just think of a bunch of grandmas yelling at kids going, quit fiddling with my stuff. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly what it is. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I told you, my mind is just everywhere. You're just crazy. (laughs) Clearly the instrument, but not not to me. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you for sharing that tidbit. Um, and that's a cool You're little welcome. fact. And I'm sorry I said wiser. Oh, gosh, it's so totally wiser. fine. Everybody Forgive says me. that. Yeah. Just like You're the good. band. It doesn't, it's not spelled like the band, but it's pronounced like the band. That's right. I was an honorary Idahoan due to my mission, so. You should have. Oh, known. right. I remember. I did know that. Oh, okay. But I didn't read it, so I didn't have to be embarrassed. I see. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and move into our topic, and today we have decided with Carly to talk about something a little bit different, and mm-hmm. you might not think about it just by, based on the, on the term, but the term, as you read by the title, is today we're talking about modesty, and what can we talk about that's going to be the length of a whole podcast about modesty? <laughs> well, we'll turn that to Carly. <laughs> It seems like a pretty simple topic, but, you know, it might be a short episode. We don't know, but there is plenty to talk about. So before I jump in, I would really be curious to hear from you two about why you decided to have an episode on modesty. Really curious as to what got you onto that. That's a really good question. Honestly, I feel like modesty plays a lot in dating, Uh, Because it also affects our relationship with ourselves and our bodies. And when you start dating someone and when you get married to someone, that's a big part of your relationship. Um, Not just like sexually, but also like that self-love. And I feel like a lot of shame comes from the culture of modesty in our church. Mm -hmm. And it plays a lot in our relationships with ourselves and with others. Mm -hmm. And so it's definitely a topic that I feel like needs more discussion around it. And it definitely goes hand in hand with dating, in my opinion, as we're, you know, make, taking those steps into being intimate with another person and to learning more about ourselves and our testimony, you can even say. So mm-hmm. that's that's mostly, I think, why we chose it. What do you what do you say, Jerry? Yeah, I'd say that um, modesty is not a cut and dry statement. And so I'd say people among the church have their own perspectives of modesty. And so sometimes it can be uh something that people struggle with in their dating experience based on you know you go on this date with this girl she thinks she's dressing up nice and cute for you not knowing underneath that this guy's being judgmental of the level of your skirt being a little bit you know too low for him like there's there's a lot of uh contentions that can build i think from from that misconception between different people and you know i i did a a poll on our instagram and we got a lot of responses of people that had had men specifically make comments to women about how they, the way they dressed and actually a lot of people responded saying that their first impression of someone when they're dating them a lot of times is how they dress and how they present themselves which is a form of modesty so I feel like it's something that needs to be touched on in a dating pod- podcast because we 
you know, our first impressions are very important. And whether that's how you dress, whether that's how you present yourself or how you speak, all of those things tie into modesty. And, I, and so it's, it's a pretty broad topic. It's not, like Jerry said, as cut and dry as you would think it is. Right. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that, you guys. That helps me to understand more of what I can offer to listeners as well. I think you touched on a really important point, Brianna, about first impressions and how the the way that people present themselves and what they wear do influence our first impressions. Not necessarily that they should, but it's just the way that we have been conditioned in our culture and by the media. We're we're constantly bombarded with messages that physical appearance is of ultimate importance, right? Especially for women. So it makes sense that that we see, you know, judgments occurring in the dating scene and people making judgments based on the clothing that other people are wearing, you know, it makes sense because that's what we're surrounded with. But I think that we can put in some purposeful work to try and shift that focus in our own minds away from what people are wearing. Because when you really think about it, the clothes that somebody is wrapped up in is the least interesting thing about them. And, and we should treat it that way in my mind. Um, but one thing that I would love to talk about is you you both kind of touched on this idea of shame that's attached to modesty in our culture. And that's something that I think we can shift. And, and it requires us to think about modesty differently than we have thought about it in the past, probably. But shame doesn't need to be a part of the modesty discussion at all. So let me just lay the foundation, if I can, with one of my favorite scriptures to think about when I'm considering modesty and trying to understand modesty is in 1 Samuel. You guys know the scripture when... when um, we're taught the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Uh, sure. What is it? For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh mm-hmm. on the heart. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the scripture that I base my understanding of modesty on. That as a culture, we've we've pulled ourselves, or we've. We've come to understand modesty as just what is worn on the outside of our body. But we know from scripture, from this scripture specifically, and from other scriptures throughout the standard works, that God cares mainly about the place that our heart is in. He cares about the goodness inside of us and definitely cares about how we feel about ourselves on the inside. And I think that should be the focus of modesty as well, not what parts of us we're covering up or what parts of ourselves we're not covering up, but how the way that we're presenting ourselves makes us feel about ourselves. And I'd like to add that I think that also can give people leeway to take things to the extreme when they don't understand what you're trying to say. And for, for example, there's a lot of, a lot of pushback and movements we've seen recently online of all the different ways that people are saying you, you don't need to wear your garments because I'm right with the Lord, you know? And so in this specific situation, you know, you're saying that as long as your heart's in the right place of the Lord, it's not so much about what you wear. I mean, modesty does have a play. And that's still like you can't push to the extreme of saying today I went out in public and all I was wearing was a Speedo, <laughs> a female wearing a Speedo, for example. But my heart was right with the Lord. <laughs> but my heart was right with the Lord, you know, and then you're also in jail for indecent exposure. <laughs> but yeah, my heart's right with the Lord. There are other issues coming into play there. <laughs> you know, and so I think I think we have to be careful with 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 comments like that, uh, quite frankly, because that's that's where people will let that let that happen. Now, Carly has told me now that. It doesn't matter what I wear as long as my heart is in the right place. 
Right. And I don't think that's quite the message that we're trying no, to get. No, it's not. I think what's important here is what we're trying to make clear is that it's not the only aspect of modesty that is part of modesty. Like there isn't just like one answer to modesty and you know, like it, modesty heavily involves your testimony and your relationship with the Lord and heavily involves other aspects besides just the clothing that you're wearing. And I think it's a good note to make right here is the quote by Joseph Smith, where he, he says, um, I teach them correct principles and they govern themselves. Um, you know, like, we have to make an effort to learn the correct doctrine and what the Lord has asked us to do. And then it's our responsibility to govern ourselves in the way that feels appropriate and the way that feel, we feel the Lord has asked us to. But in this podcast, we really want to dive down deep into, you know, the reasoning behind everything to do with modesty and, and help people realize that it's not so much as getting out a ruler and, and measuring someone's skirt length. So. Yeah. And I was actually talking with uh, Carly about this a little bit before we started the podcast. And we kind of decided together that a lot of the issues that comes with this is just the way that it's being taught to us, just mm-hmm. in our families and church experiences with uh, how the strength of youth is presented. That's no you know pushback or offense, obviously, on church leaders who have created this. But we're always looking for ways to update and to improve, like, you know, and to improve our directions that we give in our manuals and things like that. So I realize that people shouldn't use my opinion as modesty for their own choices about modesty. However, the teaching them correct principles and letting them govern themselves that you brought up, Brianna, I think is a really, really important point. And we need to recognize that people will come to different conclusions than we do as they govern themselves. So if someone does decide that for their own personal relationship with God, they need to, for example, let go of wearing the garments, if that's something that they feel like is part of their faith journey, we need to respect that decision, even if it doesn't feel like the decision that we would make. And that's difficult to do, especially in dating, because you're trying to find someone whose values align quite closely with yours. That's that's a, a building block of a family that a lot of people are looking for. So that's tricky to navigate. But, but throughout this discussion, I just want to make it really clear that we do want to genuinely allow people to govern themselves whatever that looks like and we get to choose for ourselves what what modesty looks like I guess and everybody else gets to do the same thing does that make sense yeah it does make sense and you know like how I was saying people can take the extreme and that that example could be my extreme mm-hmm. you know but that doesn't mean that it's someone else's right and then you're you're totally right that it gets to a point where you are going to be the one that's answering to God. And this, this does come to uh, almost that same topic about the Sabbath day worship with the president Nelson saying, you know, what sign, what sign am I giving? Mm-hmm. That totally applies here. That's, that's a, that's a govern themselves principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the most damaging thing for modesty that I had growing up in like young women's was this, it's, it went hand in hand, honestly, with the talk about like sex that, um, it's like the purity culture type mm-hmm. discussion where like if you dress immodestly, then you're, you know, unworthy and you're a sinner and like all these things. Right. right? And, and you'll, lead, you'll lead the young men. An adulterous life. And yeah. Yeah. And you must be out like sleeping around, you know, or being bad things, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah, I don't want to say because I don't want to say anything. Wild. Bad, but, it really is but, wild. The conclusions that we make about or that we come to about people, the judgments that we make about people based on the fabric that is hanging on their bodies. <laughs> exactly. And and I feel like a lot of times we would have, I mean, I would have friends come to Young Women's with me and they would wear like spaghetti straps or something because they weren't members of the church. And right. they would be made to feel uncomfortable by comments that people would make. Um, like, do you want a jacket or something? Or like always offering, you know, clothing to put over it, like they were being such huge sinners that they couldn't even look upon it, you know, that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. And so I feel like in moments like that, there needs to be more understanding and more openness uh, to 
to different forms of modesty, especially when accepting people who are maybe newer members of the church or having, like you said, like a faith crisis or they are a different spot in their faith journey than you and right. understanding that and honoring that and honoring them where they're at. Right. Right. I think this, this all comes back to this idea of personal agency and specifically sexual agency that all of us need to understand that we are agents of our own bodies, that we get to choose what we put on them, how we engage with other people, how other people engage with us physically. And, and if we want that agency ourselves, we also need to respect that agency in other people. It's really not our role, regardless of your calling in the church or role in a faith community. It doesn't, it, it's really not our job to decide what other people wear. If you're a parent of a young child, you can absolutely have a say. Other than that, I <laughs> well, really I don't, know, don't think you our should toddler have have a say. <laughs> say that again. Our toddler would beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say you will have a say, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think, well, let me start by just bringing up one specific teaching that's really prevalent in the purity culture that you referred to in regards to modesty that I think we need to let go of completely. It is quite detrimental and we can see some of the the negative effects in research that has been conducted and that's being conducted at BYU specifically. But what this teaching is that young women need to cover up their bodies. Well, young women and adult women, but the modesty lessons are happening with younger women Mm -hmm. typically that they need to cover up their bodies to keep men and young men from having inappropriate thoughts that they need to cover up their bodies because when men see their bodies not covered up, it's like pornography for them. That teaching is is incredibly detrimental and untrue (laughs) for a couple of reasons. The first is it really does, well, it does a disservice to both men and women. For women, it takes something like modesty that is trying to desexualize the human body and it sexualizes it. It communicates to women that their bodies are immoral inherently, that specific parts of their body are, their bodies are bad and that they need to cover up for the good of mankind because the men in their lives can't control themselves. That's problematic. It's also problematic because it teaches men that they're unable to control themselves, which is also absolutely not true. The thoughts that someone has are absolutely their responsibility. And no matter what I wear or don't wear, Even if, like you brought up, Jerry, I was running down the street in nothing but a Speedo, (laughs) other people's thoughts about me still are not on my head, right? Like if other people are sexualizing my body, that's their issue. It's not my issue because I don't control their thoughts. That's, That's part of agency. We're all responsible for our own behavior and for our own sins. Nobody else is responsible for our sins. I totally agree. And I kind of want to add something is I remember growing up also being told by leaders all the time that like, oh, make sure you cover your shoulders because even a glimpse of your collarbone will make a man like, you know, think inappropriate thoughts (laughs) and like always telling me like things like that, like, oh, just just your neck, just a little bit of your shoulder is is so seductive to men. And I feel like like you're saying that's so unhealthy because then you grow up thinking like, oh, my body is just an object for like men's lust. And so like I need to hide my body because it's just like it, men can't handle it. Like, And you literally start thinking of your body as just an object. And I feel like that's what feeds into a lot of issues when it comes to intimacy with significant other, like with your significant other, especially if you're a woman. Because, you know, you hear about all those problems of women just thinking that like sex is all about 
a man's pleasure, right? Because mm-hmm. you're the object, right? Like you're the thing that he just can't, he just lusts after and he just can't think of anything else when he sees your shoulder, you know? Right. <laughs> like that's how powerfully objectifying a woman's body is, you know? Right. And so I feel like, yeah, it's definitely, it's not a healthy way to look at things on either side of the spectrum. I think yeah, in the same definitely. regard, it's it's really interesting that this conversation always shifts to only be about women. Always. Like we, don't, we just don't. No one's ever telling a man not to do this or that because a girl might look at you and be like, oh, he's just so hot. Like, no one ever says that. <laughs> right. But like, why can't why can't it be both ways? It can. That's the good part. We just have to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it yeah, all starts well, with but, conversations like this. Yes, definitely. And Jerry, you bring up such a good point. The truth is men's bodies, though they are sexualized in media and in our own lives, they are sexualized sometimes, but not nearly to the extent that that women's bodies are objectified and sexualized. So our modesty standards reflect that culture. We don't we don't think that men need to cover up because their bodies aren't sexual, but neither body is inherently not sexual or sexual. They're just they're both just bodies with almost all of the same parts, right? But females have been sexualized for, you know, centuries. And so modesty rules only apply to girls in in faith communities specifically, but also in secular dress codes in schools and stuff, because those are the bodies that are viewed as sexual. Yeah, so I think what we're getting at here is really important, because you're totally right that most of these Uh, rules are getting taught frequently and people are understanding as I'm modest for other people. Right. And, and I think it's so important that we realize that we're being modest or whatever our idea of modesty is at the time is for myself and my own journey and, and nobody else. And that's why I think my example, along with what you said was so perfect about the extreme speedo is because I didn't say this person, you know, was was being judged by everyone else. I said this was their own journey and their own crisis, you know. And so I think that that's uh, that's really really important that you talk about that because you know to them it's not crazy to other people it may be, but what their opinion is doesn't really matter. And I think that's how this ties into dating so perfectly is what you said earlier, in that you are looking for somebody who may align with what your standards are. And that's going to help you feel comfortable. That's going to help you have a better relationship long term. Because if you're always resenting the other person for how they look or present themselves based on different views, that's definitely going to be a struggle for you. And so in in most cases, what other people are doing, we definitely shouldn't be judging them anyways, whether it's anything that they do in their life, because that's what we're taught not to do. Right. I just want to make a note here, because what you just said, Jerry, was super groundbreaking even for me because I never put it into that exact thought but modesty was what you said is modesty is for you and not for anyone else like I want our listeners to think about that for a second because that just like totally gave me goosebumps because I've never thought about in that perspective um that modesty is purely something that is for you and I might even add for you and your relationship with God And when it comes down to it, that's all that matters when it comes to modesty is how you feel with yourself and with your covenants and promises you've made between the Lord and yourself. And that's just, that's the basics of it. If you're going to break it down to everything. Well, and I think until we transition people into thinking that way, we're not going to get rid of this other culture and idea that Carly's talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree that modesty should absolutely be about you and your relationship with God. My ideal scenario is for myself is that when I get dressed in the morning, I consider no one else's experience with my body, only my own. And there might be some situations where I would I would adjust that for myself. Like if I'm going on a date with my husband, I want to wear something that he likes sometimes because, you know, I like that my husband finds me attractive. That's fun for me, but I still am doing it for like based on my own personal feelings about myself. And I would love, 
I would love if young men and young women as they grow up could learn how to dress for themselves based on their own personal values, their own personal preferences and styles, and their the activities that they're going to be participating in that day. I, I just don't think that we need to be considering anyone else's experience with our body when we get dressed in the morning. I think to some degree, our culture has has actually shifted in a positive way. It's because if you look back at a TV show from the 50s, every like every single girl will be looking relatively the same and they're going to be in a relatively same role. And that's totally not today. Like if, if you would have seen a girl in, in a grocery store wearing their PJs, people would have flipped out. <laughs> like and now it's like Walmart comedy memes on YouTube. Like because it's so common. Like people literally can can go out and they do present themselves however they want a lot more frequently. So I will say that is a positive thing. Yeah. And I like what you said, Carly, about how you get up in the morning and you're like, I'm what can I wear that's for me? Because I feel like modesty goes two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like it's totally skewed to either end. And it's either you're getting dressed because you have shame and you want to hide your body that you've been told is sexual and well, you know, turn on men or whatever, speaking directly to women right now. And so you have to wear something that is the right length and covers everything up and maybe might even be like frumpy because you need to hide, you know, your curves or whatever. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is women who or men who get dressed up just just to attract the opposite sex in a lustful manner. Right. So they're purposely wearing stuff that might be like super low hanging or like, you know, showing tons of skin you know, and all of that. And so you can choose immodesty if you're purposely trying to attract that lustful gaze, I guess you could say. And Mm -hmm. then you can purposely be doing that in the opposite of the spectrum by just not honoring your body for the beautiful thing that it is and, and getting dressed for yourself and for your own joy in the clothes that you're wearing and, and how you're presenting yourself to the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think that goes back to the scripture about the Lord looking on the heart. Mm -hmm. If we're dressing for other people, whether to show off or to cover up parts of ourselves that we think are inappropriate, our focus isn't on our heart. Our focus is on the judgment of other people and the opinions of other people. And it's really, really difficult to feel connected with ourselves and feel connected with God when we're self-objectifying, when we're trying to look at ourselves from other people's perspectives constantly instead of living our life from our own internal experience. So maybe we should talk a little bit about dating. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> and I, modesty. I, I, I think I think all of this is relatable to, all of it's related to dating. To yes. sure, but something more yes. specific. Sure, go ahead. Definitely. Well, I would just say I... As someone who was taught very, very strict modesty rules for my own body growing up by parents who are amazing and only wanted the best for me, but that's just how they understood modesty, right? Coming from that place, I was incredibly judgmental as a teenager and a young adult of people who dressed differently than I was taught to dress. I was very judgmental of women women who wore bikinis and short shorts and tank tops because I had learned that my own covering my body was associated with my testimony of Jesus Christ, that somehow it represented my relationship with God. And so I judged other people based on that teaching. And I think that judgment happens really, really often in dating, unfortunately. But what we're trying to get at with all of this is that the true the true measure of someone's faith in Jesus Christ is their actual faith. And their participation in the things that Jesus asked us to do, specifically a love for God and a love for each other. Not judging is a pretty big part of that. So for those who are dating, I would just encourage you to to pay attention to when you 
might find yourself judging someone for what they wear and making assumptions about their faith in Jesus Christ or their commitment to him based on their clothing. When you really think about it, it's silly that we do that, but we do, unfortunately. And it's taking a lot of work for me to retrain my mind not to judge people based on what they're wearing because it was such a prevalent part of my life growing up. But we can we can separate ourselves from that judgment. So do your best to get to know the people that you're dating or that you might potentially date. And try like God does with us to see their heart and decide based on that whether or not they're someone that you want to pursue or someone that you want to continue a relationship with. I think that what the person you're dating wears is mostly a non-issue in dating and we need to treat it like the non-issue that it is in my opinion. I I would say yes and no. I would say the way that the way that people dress can be an issue just if you hate their style. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, if you're not attracted per- to them, that's something pertains, different. <laughs> as it pertains to modesty and you judging them for that, that's something you absolutely shouldn't do. But if I, yeah. if you just don't like the way that somebody holds themselves or their sense of style and that's not going to vibe with you, then that's perfectly fine to say, I don't like the way that they dress. That makes me think of that scene in 17 again where they're like walking up the steps, a newer one with Zach Efron, and he's like, what did you rob like Kevin Federline's closet or something? <laughs> and then he comes back the next day and he's like dressed all slick with his leather jacket and you're like, mm, Zach Efron. <laughs> yeah, but I, I want to I want to applaud you because I think that's says a lot about you to be vulnerable and admit that you have had problems judging people in the past for modesty. And I will join you in that and say that I have too. And I still struggle with it because it's something that is just so ingrained in us from birth, I swear, especially as Christians and like members of the church. And like you said, our parents were teaching us the best that they knew, but we know better now and we can teach ourselves and our own, like I have two daughters, we can teach ourselves and our daughters better now because we know um, and understand, I think, better than they did before, which says nothing to them. Just it says a lot to how we've progressed um, in the church and in our understanding of the gospel, really. And it's okay for us to admit that maybe we were wrong and and to grow from that and and learn how to accept and to love people more for who they are and, and their testimony in Christ more than what they're wearing on their bodies. I think one of the most important things I've taken away from um, this podcast, from what you said, was that we need to stop viewing uh, modesty as a measure of someone's testimony, because I I think that that's like spot on. Like, it's not so much that when we see people are immodest that we don't we don't stop at just saying, oh, they look immodest to me. We immediately say they're immodest and therefore they must be like less active. (laughs) Right. Like like it like what they're doing completely denotes their relationship with with our heavenly father and I think that right. that's super spot on. It's definitely something I've been a victim of. I think most of us have just as a result of how we are brought up thinking. And I yeah, think that definitely. Modesty... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Carly. Oh, I was just going to say Jerry, your comment made me think of the scripture where we're taught that um we're taught the way that people will know that we're believers by this shall all men know ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another, the scripture doesn't say by this shall all men know ye are my disciples. If you cover up most of your body, you know, that's not, that's not the way that we're supposed to be recognized. We're supposed to be recognized by our love. So we can look at people that way as well. I think we just need to end the podcast right there. (laughs) I mean that is definitely the theme of the podcast and I I just wanted to share something so if you look up modesty in the dictionary right it says the quality of not being too proud or confident about yourself or your abilities and Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to tie back the meaning of modesty is really to be humble and so if you think about in the scriptures in the book of Mormon when they talk about I think it was the Nephites I don't know I can't remember exactly where it talked about this but it talked about how like the women 
dressed with like bangles and mm-hmm. I don't know, like t- lists all these things that they were like wearing like gaudy jewelry and like all this stuff. Yeah. And it was the pride of their hearts. And they dressed like that with the bangles to draw attention to themselves. And so if we're looking at modesty as something that ties in with humility, which is something that we are commanded to be, is to be humble. Um, and we look at modesty and how we dress ourselves and present ourselves as a way to be humble um, followers of Jesus Christ, which ties also back into when God tells us, reminds us also in the scriptures that we are, you know, lower than the dust of the earth because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so all of those things, I feel like just go for full circle and hand in hand to understanding that truly as members of the church, we are called to be humble. And that also comes across in the way we present ourselves, which comes across in the way that we dress. And I think the scriptures are a super awesome source for you in your modesty journey, because, you know, while we have scriptures that say the Lord looks on the heart, there's also clear scriptures of saying, you know, don't wear this gaudy apparel and don't wear this and this and pomp and circumstance. And Right. But it's about because, vanity. Because the, the scriptures because are about vanity. Of vanity. Yeah, yeah exactly. About vanity. Yeah. And so that's how we need to reflect on our, our modesty journeys is, is why are we dressing the way that we're dressing? And you can be you know, fully covered up and, and still be vain and be dressing for other people to be jealous of your nice new Prada bag that you have or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just right. trying to think of some examples even, besides. Yeah. I think, I think even just covering up for the sake of other people is a, to is like, a, oh, she's so modest. Right. And, and to protect other people's thoughts, you know, that's a form mm-hmm. of vanity as well. Vanity doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we're thinking that we're the best thing in the world always, but it's Mm -hmm. thinking about yourself and how other people perceive you at all. So whether or not you're thinking that you're the hottest thing to ever walk the earth or, or the opposite, if we're thinking about ourselves and judging ourselves based on what other people see, it's vanity. Mm -hmm. And it's pride, which is the greatest sin, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. The more we talk about this, the deeper you get and you're like, whoa, <laughs> because even if you're dressing modestly and you're looking at others as like, oh, I'm so good because I'm quote unquote modest, right? I'm wearing the right length of sleeves and you're like, oh, look at her. She's immodest because she's wearing this and this. Mm-hmm. Oh, good thing. I'm so modest and right with God mm-hmm. right there. You are not being modest despite yeah. wearing the right length of sleeve. You are not yeah. being modest. And so if you are one of those people, this is your this is your check. We're checking you right now. To and we're check checking ourselves too. And we're checking ourselves too because I'm like, I am not perfect either. So yeah. it's it's a good like wake up call for us, for all of us. Mm-hmm, definitely. And it does take some time to relearn how to think about our clothing and modesty, but it's definitely possible. Yeah, and I think uh, we tend to take a lot of things to extremes mm-hmm. just in the in a lot of the ways we think. Just even right now with all the elections and uh, new presidential um, candidates coming into power, so to say, just everyone is always like, all oh, the Republicans say this and all oh, the Democrats say that. It's just like everyone's <laughs> lumped into this giant sum when in reality, most people are like in the middle of shared values. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're so you know? good at judging each other. Yep. And we and just like need right to be better middle. at understanding each other. We have a little bit of both sides. <laughs> and that's why I say like it's uh, there's always a little bit of something. I don't want to take it away completely from the idea that if if I'm being modest, there there is still a chance that it's going to help someone's thoughts, but that that's not at all the that's reason not the point. yeah, why we're going to do it. Right. So. Yeah. And and I think that it's really important to bring it back to the Joseph Smith quote too. To remember to teach ourselves proper doctrine and to learn the proper doctrine behind everything that we're told in the church. It's okay to question things that were taught in the church because that's how we build a testimony. And, you know, I have a very special testimony of my garments and that's why I wear them every day. And and I encourage you, if you don't have that same testimony, to go out and seek it out because there are blessings behind every every covenant that we make, especially in the temple and if we seek out to learn the reasons behind it and that it's about our relationship with God more than anything else, then we'll find the beauty behind it. But just because I have that 100% confident testimony, and it doesn't mean my neighbor does, and doesn't mean I have the right to judge them on where they're at in their testimony or faith in their garments. And it's the same thing for anything in the church, whether it's your tithing or your testimony of the word of wisdom or, you know, anything in or above or below all of that. 
And it's all about our journey with our testimony and our our experiences in life and how we've grown our faith. I think it's in Moroni. They talk about like how they, how they gather with and worship, like for the welfare of each other's souls. Mm -hmm. And I think like we can't gather and and do that with the welfare of each other's souls. If everybody has the same exact viewpoint on -hmm. everything, like we have to come together. We have to feel safe sharing these ideas and we have to have people um, be humble enough and create that culture of safety that they can listen because we definitely live in a cancel culture today where people will say one thing and then you've lost everything and everybody hates you because Mm -hmm. of a movement, you know, like we gotta, we gotta figure out how we can allow people to have other opinions without destroying their lives. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We have to learn how to respect other people's agency and to recognize that, we will come to our own conclusions like you shared, Brianna, your experience with garments and someone else will come to a different conclusion about garments and have a completely different experience with garments and their experience and feelings about garments is just as valid as the one that you described, Brianna, and both of them are right for you because they're your own personal experience and you exercising your own agency. And it feels uncomfortable sometimes to respect and even admire the choices of other people when they don't align with our own choices. But that's that's really the whole point of life is learning to make our own decisions based on our own relationship with God And modesty is a really good opportunity for all of us to practice respecting the agency of other people. This reminded me a lot of our episode on Revelation, because we talked about um, Revelation versus imagination, because that's a big thing uh, when it comes to dating. And there was a quote that that we read, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, you know, when we're receiving revelation, someone might receive different revelation for themselves. And sometimes that makes us uncomfortable because we think of God as being like, he only has one path, of course, right? And he's the same God today, you know, tomorrow, yesterday, forever. And he's a fair God. So we would think that all of us have the same, I guess, standards or guidelines, you could say. And so when we receive a different answer about, for example, because we're on the top of, of garments or modesty, and someone else has a different answer that they say they've received. We're like, oh, well, one of us is wrong. And of course, our prideful self says they're wrong, right? <laughs> We're right, the ones that are always. right. <laughs> and we don't want to admit that possibly they could have received a different answer. And maybe their answer is right. But when it comes down to it, and this is a conversation Jerry and I have had before. When it comes down to it, you're the one who's going to have to stand in front of God at the end of all of this and account for your life and your choices. And you're not going to account for your neighbor's choices. And the revelation that you feel that you've received for how you are to act on whatever commandments we have received or how you feel about modesty is is your choice. And if you feel comfortable with how you dress right now and you feel like you are living a modest life, that's what's important. And that's what you'll have to account for at the end of all this. And like we've talked about, God knows your heart and he knows you personally. And this is your journey of agency and your journey of modesty and of life and of practicing your freedom of choice and how to receive that personal revelation. And that's what truly matters at the end of it all. Yes, I love that. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Well, do you have any last thoughts to add, Carly? Anything that you, any scriptures you want to share, anything that you feel is really important for our listeners to hear? Um, I do have just one other thought, or maybe a call to action, if that's okay. Sounds great. Because because our modesty culture has has focused almost exclusively on the bodies of women, we've talked mostly about the experiences of women today in this podcast. But I want to speak to your male listeners just for a minute, because we absolutely need men who are willing to stand up for an appropriate and um, more accurate understanding of modesty. Currently in the church, our, our unit leaders, our men and our 
most of our general church leaders are men, and that's consistent across most church congregations in the Christian faith and, of course, other faiths. So men are still making a lot of the decisions and doing a lot of the teaching of modesty and about modesty. So we need men who are willing to say, hey, this isn't okay that we are sexualizing women's bodies from a young age. We need to be better at teaching men to control their thoughts and bridle their passions. And and we need to be better at teaching women to respect their bodies as their own and make choices based on their personal experience with their body. So I would just, I would just say to the men, we, we need you to participate in this effort, even though modesty might feel disconnected from your life in a lot of ways. This is definitely something that we need men and women to participate in. Thank you for that. We back up that, that call to action. And just a question for you, Jerry, out of curiosity, how many times were you taught about modesty growing up in the church? Um, I don't, I don't know that I could count like an actual number based on my life, but I, I was actually taught pretty good amount about modesty in my young men's. I think I had some pretty fantastic leaders that, that said kind of those things. That's good. You know, and I, I think that that's um, more rare than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I had a little bit more of that understanding, um, from when I was younger, them saying, saying things like, don't focus on what they're doing and focus on what you're doing and how you can behave yourself and how you act on your thoughts. And like we talked about before the whole like double look yeah. thing and all that stuff, it's all, it was always geared towards us. We never talked about girls very much more. It was, it was very geared towards us. And I can definitely say that I had a, a lucky experience, I guess, mm-hmm. a good experience. Yeah, um, definitely. That answers your question. Yeah, thank you. And so explain to us what the double look is then, because no, some people might not know what the double look is. Yeah, so uh, this is something I heard frequently growing up, and uh, I guess not from just all my friends <laughs> <laughs> at church. And they used to say that when when thoughts come, that it's not a problem for you to receive initial thoughts, but it's a it's a problem depending on how you choose to respond to those thoughts. And so... Um, I was telling Brianna, I always think of that famous meme of the of the guy who looks back at the girl in the right. red dress. <laughs> and the girl's yeah. like, what the heck? Like, why is he looking? Obviously, that's in a situation right when he's with the girl. But even when you're alone, you know, if I'm not with Brianna and I'm by myself and I see a girl walk by and she's attractive to me, like, do I, after she passes me, do I look back or do I keep looking forward? And And that all depends on your thought process and how you're choosing to sexualize a woman and I feel like right. guys on dates right now like because we're talking about dating of course but when you're dating women you can help discourage this modesty epidemic if you want to call it by not making a huge deal out of the way that the woman you're dating dresses and by right. controlling your thoughts and controlling your reaction to who, how she dresses because the more negatively you, you may react to how she dresses or the more comments you make on it or anything like that or the more the more you judge a woman by how she dresses, the more we're feeding into this idea that a woman's body is only to be object- objectified. And when it comes down to it, that that's the ultimate say or no say of her testimony, which is totally false. And so, guys, you have like a really important job. I love the call to action Carly gave. You guys have a really important job of of being able to help uplift women and help show them of their true worthiness and love them as the daughters of God that they are and help change this whole mindset that we have. Yeah, I would yeah. like to add one more thing to that. And that's, uh, I've told this to Brianna, I feel really bad for a lot of women that are growing up in a world where they have to be armored with pepper spray and they're not allowed to go out at night. They can't jog on the street at night. Like there's so many rules for girls that they that people will tell girls they shouldn't do so that they can feel safe and that they don't get groped. And after they get groped, it was like, it was your fault because you were out running that night. Like that's all such terrible stuff. Yeah. And that's terrible that you're blaming a girl for being groped. Like it's right. totally the groper's fault. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not her fault, you know, but, but all of us are thinking in that, in that way, well, I shouldn't say all of us, a, a general part of our society is looking at it in that way. And we need to, we need to shift that. That's all part of the same idea. Yeah, definitely. Of of helping, of helping guys. We need to help each other see that we need to help 
these women of the world feel safe and and feel like they can go out and have fun and be who they want to be and not be worried about being date raped or mm-hmm. all these other things. I mean, guys can be date raped too, but it's not nearly as 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 common. You you right. understand what I'm saying? Right. And if I can just if I can just give one suggestion for one simple thing that men can do to help shift this culture. One of the things that young men are often taught is if a girl is dressed immodestly, just look away. Please don't look away. Instead, look in her eyes. Because if you won't even look at a woman, it communicates to her that you view her as an object, that you can't see her as a person. All you're seeing is... um a body that is attractive and not completely covered. So instead of looking at her body, look her in the eyes and practice seeing her as a person with feelings and thoughts and a life and, and love to offer. And I think that will help. I think all of us could, could do a better job at looking each other in the eyes and trying to understand each other. So yeah, that's a good suggestion. I I haven't had anybody ever say that to me. I haven't heard that before. I absolutely love that I'm like speechless right now. <laughs> that's like one of the best things I've ever heard in response to that. That yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, just to clarify, I haven't heard anybody say like don't pay attention or look away. Not specifically mm-hmm. what she was saying. Yeah. But, but Jerry, that... you you kind of got out of apparently a lot of the negative I, teachings. I also, I'm so happy for I don't, you. I, I also <laughs> don't know if this is relevant. Like, I don't know enough research to say this is relevant to certain categories or areas of he the world. Was in San Diego. You know, but I, you know, I grew up in Southern California. Yeah. And it was a very diverse, different population where we had interesting looking people of all shapes and sizes showing up all the time, you know. So it's, yeah. I don't know if that experience is the same everywhere. Um, so that diversity do does it. make and, a big difference. Yeah. And I feel like the more I like the looking in the eyes thing because I feel like the more we tell young men and men in general, like, oh, we have to cover up a woman's body and don't look at it, the more curiosity it pikes, right? Or mm-hmm. pikes, the more curiosity it peaks um, mm-hmm. in men to be curious about a woman's body and what's in there. And, oh, you know, like it must be something special and something, oh, so like, yeah. you know, so they, they want to like look into things like porn or, or that kind of that feeds more into like objectifying. And so like the yeah, more- Yeah, it keeps the focus on the body instead mm-hmm. of on the person. Exactly. And so like an embracing of a person as a whole being um, is is really a great point. And I, I truly think that that's one of the meanings of overcoming the natural man, because natural yes. man is almost always going to be like, you know, no, it doesn't really matter what you have on. I'm still going to think you're hot and it's going to get me going. Like, <laughs> right, because you can be fully clothed down to like wearing gloves. Right. You could be in like a full covered suit and a man would still be like, oh, that's so hot. Yeah. objectify you so like it truly when you it comes down to it it has nothing to do with the length of anything you're wearing it has everything right. to do with how we are learning to control our thoughts around modesty and around each other's bodies and around what that truly means to to be modest and to respect one another definitely jerry i love what you said about that being kind of the whole purpose how we overcome the natural man i think that Jesus was able to love us so completely because he knew us so completely. He saw us for everything that we are and would be. And that's why his love is so pure and so full. And the only way that we're able to develop that same type of love is when we try to understand and know each other completely. And the objectification of each other's bodies really keeps us from doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. So just a little reminder in here that God loves all of us and that we're all unique and special and beautiful and whole beings in his eyes. No matter what mistakes we made or what path we choose, we are important to him and we are so loved. And this may not have been a perfect conversation about modesty. And there may have been something said that you might not agree with. But this was an honest and open conversation. I think if more people were willing to have this type of conversation, there would be a lot less stigma around this this topic. And so we're so grateful for you, Carly, for coming on and being willing to have this conversation with us and share your thoughts and ideas because they were 
beautiful and amazing. And we're just so glad you came on with us tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat with you guys. So if any of our listeners want to learn more about your platform and, and what you have to offer, how can they reach out to you? The easiest way to find me is on Instagram. You can search the Christian Sex Educator or just put in my name, Carly Palmer Webb. My name is spelled C-A-R-L-I-E, which I guess will be in the notes. There's so many ways to spell Carly, but yeah, just search (laughs) Carly Palmer Webb or the Christian Sex Educator on Instagram and you can find me there. Perfect. We will link everything below in the show notes like always. So make sure to check out Carly on Instagram or whatever social media platform you use. Give her a like, you know, follow along and you can learn more about everything she has to share. She has a fantastic Instagram page, if I might say so myself. And she recently just did a live with Al Caraway talking more about sex and lots of different aspects of it, especially when it comes to, you know, being a Christian. And so definitely recommend everything she has to offer. Yes, thanks, thanks so Brianna. much for coming on, Carly. And just a reminder, you guys, like what, what we're doing with Single to Sealed is we have so many things that we want to offer you, this this world of people who are on your side to help you in your dating experience. And so at any point you have further questions, always don't hesitate to reach out to anybody who's been on this podcast, including us, because everyone's here for you. Everyone's here to help uplift you and find your best path that's going to help you in your happiness. And that's a wrap. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you you next time. time.